Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Mabel. And I'm Mitch. And you're listening to Sex, Head and Chill. Today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 7 of Sex Education, and our topic for today is sex activism. Uh, Our arcs for this episode, uh, Jean just needs to be a mum right now and is stepping back from the radio show. Uh, This is kind of like Otis's seasonal uh, apology episode, but also gets stuck in a lift with O. Uh, Maeve is going back to America. Uh, and Sean has left, disappeared. Cal's dysphoria is at an all-time high. Uh, Jackson is trying to find out more about his sperm donor. Uh, Amy has figured out what she wants to take photos of. Viv is dealing with Bo, who has kind of like fully realized as an actual abuser now, and it's like, you can't avoid it. He's a bad guy. Uh, Eric is getting signs from God, question mark. Um, Adam fucks up, but realize this doesn't mean that he's bad at his job. Uh, yeah, what did we uh, think about this episode? I mean, I thought it was... it. Obviously, the main part of this episode was the Maven Otis stuff. And I feel like it was a good, neat mm. bow. It felt like it would be a good way to end the show, but I guess we're not. So I'm just still, like, thinking, like, what? where can we go from here? What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. 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 I liked a ho- like I think I liked a whole bunch of things. Again, I mean, we're at the end of the season now. We're used to like the so so many things have been going on, and so many things are sort of like coming to an end now. Um, there were definitely like a few different bits of this episode that that got me emotionally. You know, like there are there are mm. a couple like um, Maeve talking with Jean totally destroyed me. Yeah. yeah. Adam giving his mm. dad finally a piece of it also got me yeah. a little bit. Also, even um, Isaac seeing everyone like stand by him, that also got me as well. Seeing yeah, his reaction that to was that really nice. was very, very sweet. So there was like quite a lot of nice things, and you can can't like you can tell it's the penultimate episode. You know, like things of yeah, they're like, checking things off the list, and like <laughs> the penultimate of like the series finale as well. So like this is this is it, and like it's the next episode is going to just be the. The goodbye episode, really. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like now because we're coming to the end of the show, and you, it's like we're not even judging it, as you said, man. We're not even judging it based on this season. We're judging it based on wrapping up the entire series, mm. and mm. it's just something just doesn't feel like it's doing that. I think it maybe it's because it's the change of scenery at the new school or or what it just doesn't feel like it's like all of these nice little story arcs are really good with like adam and michael and Maeve and otis but i don't know it just doesn't feel like it's wrapping up this show i don't know i think i I get what you mean and i think it's a little bit because of how far we've moved away from how the show started and part of it is like the new school and the Mm. new scenery and the new characters so like i think it's almost kind of like missed the boat on tying off what the show was and now it's kind of just like a half sign off like it's finishing up this season which happens to be finishing off the series but it's yeah it's something completely different i mean now. also there's one more episode to go right like, yeah it, <laughs> yeah it, it may just sure. feel like we're not tying everything up just because we've got one more to go um i yeah, also i can't believe i didn't call this out in the arcs um it finally fucking happened yeah Maeve and Otis finally yeah. had sex <laughs> and it all seemed to go well. I yeah. mean, you know, and then she's like leaving th- for America, but yeah, I it think happened. they did well for something that had such a big build up. I like, wasn't disappointed by it, you know, no. like 
I think true. I think it it worked perfectly fine, and I was happy, and they were happy, and yay. Mm-hmm. Yay, yeah. Um, so good tick. That's finally crossed off the list. Um, yeah. It's funny. I feel like it had to be kind of like after they'd both kind of dealt with the shit that was going on. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess uh, Otis still has the stuff with Eric and the stuff with Ruby to deal with, but I feel like some other stuff kind of got dealt with. I think the conversation in the lift with O, even though it was tense, I feel like that was helping Otis talk through and process some of the shit that's going on in his head. Uh, And then Maeve obviously had this big cathartic conversation with Jean, which was, as you said, really lovely and definitely a tearjerker. Um, I think, you know, Maeve kind of having a kind of solid direction to go in is probably also good for them not getting in their heads about stuff. And yeah. 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 I think that um, previously, like I think for most of the season, at least I have, I think we've all sort of been on the same page about not super shipping Maven Otis and like how the timing kind of seems off and how there's this big buildup. And now that they're finally in a relationship, it doesn't really feel like they're in a relationship, but yeah, I think them, that was a bit of a product of them not having resolved things. So once they did all those things, it kind of mm-hmm. felt like they could just be in the present as the two of them. Whereas before mm. it felt like they were trying to honor the previous version of themselves. So that was good. And I also it feel like, like know, Otis didn't have like a secret that he needed to reveal, which <laughs> yeah, was getting right, in the yeah, way exactly. of almost every other time. <laughs> it's just weird. Cause when we first started the show, I think we were like, all on board with Maven Otis mm. and just as time goes on mm. and like they just dragged it out and the longer it took to get here it definitely did feel like like we've fallen off that train and then it feels like as Matt said just ticking a box off and like although it was still beautiful mm. and it was a good moment I just feel like if it happens sooner or differently it'd be more than just ticking a box off that we felt like we had to see mm. yeah yeah I think the uh the Ruby Otis the Rotus thing really kind of, I don't know. It just was, it just worked better. And I I feel like it kind of gave us a better alternative. Although it was interesting. I feel like this episode, they were trying to remind us of Ruby's history. Cause I think, you know, we all, there was a big shift with Ruby in season three, especially like we all kind of Mm -hmm. started to love Ruby once we got to know her a bit better, but she was not a nice person, especially in the first season. And we see, uh, Maeve and Ruby meet at mm. the school yeah. and Ruby is like, like, I was so sorry to hear about your mother. And Maeve's like, get fucked. You're always a bitch to me. Like basically. And like leaves and doesn't kind of accept that. I loved it. Kind I of condolences. So yeah. No, honestly, like you can't, I mean, I get maybe Ruby has gone on a bit of a journey herself, but Maeve hasn't been there for any of that. So the last time yeah. she talked to Ruby was not, a pleasant interaction, <laughs> no, so yeah. I totally get it. It's totally fine, you know, like, Ru- Ruby can- sh- is allowed to and should, you know, send her condolences, um, but, yeah, mm. Maeve is by no means obligated to accept it, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that, I think it was, yeah, a little bit of a reminder that Ruby hasn't always been you know, the darling of our hearts. I think they needed to if we were going to, like, have the Maven Otis moment, right? Like, we can't be actively thinking about how we wish it was Ruby. That's a good point. Maybe it was specifically for that. Like, remember, Mm. Ruby was mean. We don't like Ruby right now. (laughs) 
Um, another thing that I really liked that was kind of small, but was like Adam's Adam's arc for the episode. Mm. So Definitely. we see Adam at work, and someone's rocked up to like deliver some hay or something, and. The tractor's in the way, and Adam is like, "Oh, okay, I'll try and move the tractor," which just terrible idea. I'm he doesn't have good it, ideas. I'm like, this no, point. Adam, why? Stop it! <laughs> and then he like reverses it through a gate, and then Jem shows up and is like, "What are you doing? Get out of the tractor!" Oh my god! And Adam, obviously, given his history, is like, "Cool. Well, I've just lost this job that I'm actually really enjoying," and goes in to Jem's office and was like gives a little speech and Jem's like, I'm not firing you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which, I mean, I think it's not unreasonable for anybody to assume, especially with like a no. relatively new job, if you were to do something yeah. like that, that some sort of kind of bad thing would happen. But especially because like, I love Jem did- for being a cool boss. Yeah, I love her in general. Because like he did yeah. get fired from his convenience store job, right? When he, like the door accidentally got mm, left yeah. unlocked and then they got trashed, which really wasn't his fault as much like the the lock was faulty and he could have double checked but he didn't and like Ola stood up for him at the time but he still lost his job and I thought that was really sad and it was probably him thinking that this is just that all over again this was probably more irresponsible you know like he yes he really should not (laughs) again I'm glad he didn't lose his job but oh it still sucks that he lost his like convenience store job over that that was unfair yeah um, but then he like goes to see Michael and was like, mm. he like, as you said at the start, he like had a go at him. Like the first thing that popped into my head is how like angry you were going to be at me for losing my job. And I hate that, mm-hmm. that that was the first thing I thought of. And then he says this really kind of heartbreaking thing is like, he's like, stop pretending that you like me. You don't like me. And then he leaves. And it, it was yeah. like, yeah. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I imagine on both sides, like to say that out loud, I kind of feel like feels like it's making it real. And then for Michael, who is trying and hears that as a parent is probably also really heartbreaking. Yeah, um, sure. Although I totally understand where it's coming from, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Well, he's never indicated yeah. that he likes his son or shown any care or affection. I think, yeah, yeah Adam specifically Yeah, outside of the last like, couple of weeks yeah. where he's trying. Yeah. But, yeah, Adam then, specifically then says, the like, mo- I, th- I thought you were finally interested in me, but it turns out it was all just to get back the together Maureen. with my mom. Yeah. And, like, that yeah. specifically yeah. is... Yeah. Ugh. Like, it, it sucks that this is such a small part of the show because, like, mm. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but I feel like this is, like, the best subplot of this season. Like, just what they're doing with Adam yeah. and Michael just feels like... Like, it's, like, heartfelt. It's got its ups and downs. And, like, every moment feels earned with them. Yeah. Especially because we've got, like, three seasons of history with them as well, which definitely helps. But 100%. I feel like Michael and Adam are, like, my safe, happy place in this episode. And uh, Amy and Isaac always. Like, Amy is just continues to be probably my favorite person in the entire world. Um, And Mm. I just love her and Adam. I was just going to say, because they are the subplot, it probably... Like it, it doesn't. Like the writers don't have to keep making them make stupid decisions, like Otis and that, to actually keep the plot sure. going. They can just yeah. keep their their story yeah. sweet and short, and like have the characters stay yeah, true like to less themselves. Pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, yes. talking about Amy and Isaac. 
Um, yes, because that's like that's a big chunk of this episode, right? Is so uh, the elevator is broken again. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this elevator? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's so. And they're all doing stupid. their mock exams. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and so Isaac can't get to his exam because he needs the elevator. Um, and they they stage a bloody sit-in. And I honestly kind of loved it. I feel like, I don't know, this is probably a bit like a generalization, but like we've forgotten the power of collective action. Like the school just wanted them to get on with their day. And the fact that they all were like, no, we're not going to go back and do our exams until Isaac can. Like, And they all just sat there. It's like... The school can't do anything at that point. They have to fix the problem, which I kind of, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. to see it. And it must be nice for Isaac, as you said at the start, Mabel, to have such a show of support. Because uh, I can also see it going another way if people are shit, right? Like, oh, why and are you, you can, like interrupting our day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you can really That's see right. it on Isaac's face, which I think is what gets me the most. Like, he clearly wasn't expecting mm. that kind of reaction and is kind of just stunned that not only one person but everybody backs him on this and i'm just like yes good for you isaac um yeah he makes a really good point is like if we can have like sound baths and all these kind of wishy-washy bullshit at the school we can have an elevator that works like literally to have priorities which is probably just like the unrealistic episode of this school and this tv show but like this principle and like this issue (laughs) is so stupid and so fixable and like i don't even know how the school Mm. got to the state as in it is in now with all these amenities and all these services because like maybe this happened before this principal worked there because he seems to just have done nothing <laughs> and like nothing. have no real position Well, that was the whole point the of the school. school is that it's like student-led, like everything is like student-led and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm. But like who's dictating yeah. the funds? Like this is well, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and then at some point, well, so we get that kind of funny like – I assume reference to Mean Girls, where you've got that other kid who's like, he doesn't even go here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then there is I'm another just student. About it. Yeah, that was pretty funny. There's another student in a wheelchair as well, and I'm kind of like, so is she able to get to her exams? Like, how many kids rely on this lift, and like, how many people are being ignored? Yeah. A lot, by the sound of it. Also, I mean, how hard is it? Like, I just think, like, going back to one of the first ones where it was like the the cleaning person who decided to set up a classroom downstairs for Isaac. Like, they're, what, like how yeah. hard is it? Even if you can't fix the lift right away, the fact that the principal told everyone else to get back to their exams and still had, like, no solution to offer to Isaac, like, could you not move mm. the exams downstairs or, like, get another person to monitor his exam in a different classroom or something? Like, there was nothing offered. Yeah. It was like, oh, we'll just keep, continue to ignore you, get to it next week, and everyone yeah, else yeah. can go back to their exams. Yeah, and I mean, that's why it was so good that they did the sit-in. It was, it's like it needed to happen because, as they all said, like, the administration just didn't give a shit, which I really hope not. I really hope nothing, like, I like to think this couldn't happen in a school. Like, I know there's probably some stuff that goes on like this, but to <laughs> this ridiculous extent... It just seems too ridiculous. I, I, honestly, Mabel, some of the conversations I've been part of, like, <sighs> I think it does. I think it happens all the time. I think people don't really consider <sighs> accessibility. It's like we also get Aisha's kind mm-hmm. of side of it as well because she gets left in the exam hall and nobody tells her what's going on because she can't hear the fire alarm. And yeah, she, because everybody is like, 
immediately outraged on Isaac's behalf and being all like, yeah, you should do better. And Aisha's like, um, excuse me, guys, don't get so high and mighty because (laughs) you just fucking left me in there to theoretically die in a fire. Like, you also need to think about how you're interacting with this stuff, Um, which I think is important. I think that people can get uh, a little overconfident in how well they do this sort of thing and ignore their own Mm -hmm. kind of internal biases and just things that they don't notice. Um, yeah. So I kind of loved this plot line. It felt like, I think this episode has again had a bit of what this whole season has had where it felt a little bit like a PSA, like mm. they're kind of mm-hmm. doing a little bit of preaching, but honestly in the, in this case, I think it's a PSA that I'm like happy what, for yeah. it to be in there. Like I, I like, I think it is something that needs to be communicated more. Um, I, yeah. I think for the most part, their PSA type topics and episodes have been mostly welcomed I think like, I think they're always on things that we probably need PSAs on that's true I just feel like this one felt a bit more natural I feel like some of the other ones this yeah. season have felt like we're having a very genuine conversation about yeah. this topic that is totally yeah. natural in the flow of the story that's true <laughs> but this yeah this this so, actually had stakes yeah, on the know. story and it wasn't just like a side conversation yeah yeah yeah. Um, what else is going on? Oh, Otis and oh, we're trapped in a lift. Uh, which of course <laughs> I think I, I I think I eye rolled when this happened. I was like, oh, we're doing a stuck in the lift thing. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that, but also like you know need to get him to talk somehow. And I was like, like really how are we going to get these two characters who have conflict to resolve the conflict? What could we possibly write? Hmm. Better get them stuck in an elevator. <laughs> Yeah. It's fine. Uh, I love that. I mean, I feel like Otis is me in this situation. Like, oh my God, we're going to run out of air. I'm, I'm, we're going to die. Let's freak out. Also, in addition to this elevator being broken in terms of going up and down, the emergency phone in it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, oh. what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, when they finally get them out and the two, and the, like, I think it's the janitor again who, like, yeah. is getting them out of the elevator for some reason. Um, She's like, oh shit, we didn't realize there were students in here. She it was really also making me think. To be a uh, principal. Yeah. It's, it's my vote. <laughs> I mean, this conversation in the lift, I think, I think it's maybe kind of letting Otis realize that O is not the devil, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe letting I mean, us there was realize still some that. Weird stuff. Because, yeah, I, st- I think yeah. I was watching this and I was like, okay, so here's where we get like the background to O's character and why like her motivations for everything but I was watching it being like I still don't like you and I still don't think that you're justified in anything that you've done I also think we get a rehash of the issue with the like um the asexual thing because he's Mm. basically like listing off all the shitty things she's done like calling him a meninist and all this sort Mm. of stuff and then he says like like you know and then you know, the asexual thing, maybe you made that up too. And she's like super offended. And it's like, mm-hmm. we were all yes, thinking it, but I also it. you've just yep. established, you've just established, Otis has just established that you did also do a bunch of toxic manipulative lying things. Okay. So I don't see how claiming that sexuality is that different 
from the other awful things. Yeah, that like you were how doing. is he supposed so to know? I, you what's, don't get to be offended about that. How is he supposed to know like what's off limits in the the morals of O? You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. It's like, I don't know if they did that good of a job of making her out to be a nice person um, completely, in my opinion. Anyway. Yeah. I <laughs> also think that if they <laughs> wanted uh, her to have, if they wanted this to be the start of her like redemption arc and for us to get to know O and not see her as the devil anymore, they shouldn't have continued to shoot scenes with her on her e-scooter because <laughs> that just makes her look like the devil again. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. Are they? Is it? Is it? Is that to like? She meant to. Are we meant to see her as like this cool, like charismatic but like problematic character at the same time. You know how like there's always characters like that. Like they're I not a good know. person, but they're cool. I don't know. It doesn't work. I don't yeah. know. I don't know it how it's supposed. To I don't get a cool but vibe. I still don't like no. it. <laughs> no. I feel like it sets her apart because we don't see anybody else on an e-scooter. It's like this this thing that is just her and she's like, she's always like flying past people on it and like not being kind of part of the general population. She's always on her way somewhere on her little e-scooter. And Um, like stopping in to like say something and then scooting away, you know, like she's Mm. so so annoying. She's like the, um, the Tony Stark of Mordell, like. (laughs) <laughs> that's the type, type of vibe I feel like they're going for Hilarious um, <laughs> That's interesting Because yeah. even, even when um, she's talking about The stuff with Ruby like, And I know this is like It's not an apology to Ruby She's just talking to Otis about her experience And what, like, what led to what But she's not even especially Apologetic Like I would no, have liked her to no. even in this conversation Own it a bit more Be like yeah I was a bitch And like it was really bad And like yeah I had stuff going on But I feel really bad about what I did And I should never have done it You know as opposed to like It was really hard And so I did it because yeah. It was really hard for me And I don't think you understand just how hard it was Not that it's an excuse yeah. But it was really hard And I'm like could you apologize a little bit more And like yeah. be a little bit more remorseful well it's like when i was in primary school i got bullied a fair amount and i remember once like i like was having a really bad time and the teacher pulled me aside and was like the kid that's bullying you his parents are going through a divorce and i'm like my "My parents went through a divorce and i'm not bullying people like fuck off Mm -hmm. like no that doesn't excuse his behavior i shouldn't have to suffer through it just because you don't want to tell him to stop like yeah like what the hell was she having a conversation with him as well about like Stopping a I don't think dick? so, like, to be honest. Oh, that's such yeah. bad teaching to like pull aside the kids mm. that are behaving well and like hold them to a higher standard than every other student in the class. Like that's so fucked up. You're doing you're doing mm. the bullying kid a disservice, you know? Like you're not helping 100%. them yeah, develop into but... a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh anyway. Yeah. <laughs> My trauma aside. Um I think also uh, it's worth calling out. So when they go into their exams, they're waiting out the front and we see Viv just like answering a question about the capital oh of God. Montenegro, I think, which was this, Podgorica, this maybe. Um, and uh, it's just a nice friendly interaction between two people and Bo <laughs> comes up and is like, why the fuck are you talking to that guy? And he's like, well, you just asked a question about about geography that's that's what i was talking to him about and she's like dismissive of his like concern because she should be because he's being mm-hmm. an absolute baby child uh and she like turns away to go into her exam mm. and he like grabs her arm really aggressively 
and it's just like like I think we saw this coming, right? His behavior has been yep. emotionally abusive and manipulative and all these sorts of things, and now he's like graduated to like I mean, is it assault? It I think you could call it assault. It is yep. a violent physical action, I would say. Um, and uh, we've just confirmed that Bo is a piece of shit and he needs to work on that, uh, and Viv deserves so much better. It just, like, like this is, like, a serious issue and this stuff happens, but it just feels, like, so over-dramatised that it's hard. I don't know, it just... I think, yeah. I think TV shows really? are guilty of this a lot, and I just think it's a serious... I think because of how little screen time was dedicated to it, I feel like they had to jump through it and kind of skip to the key moments with Bo and Viv, which makes yeah. it, I think, a little harder to relate to Viv's experience of it because we kind of yeah. only see the bit where Bo's being a dick and we're not seeing, like, all the bits where he's, like, dragging her along in between. Mm-hmm. Um I think they did all right with the screen I don't know. time they dedicated I kinda to it. I kind of disagree. I kind of think they did a good job. I think that we got it in almost every episode. We had this kind of slow escalation, and we got to see the like yeah. the lovey-dovey stuff towards the start of the season. And like, I think that I think this is true of this kind of relationship is that it sometimes does feel like it comes yeah. out of nowhere, at least yeah. the first time. Um, and I think that. I think Viv's reaction was really kind of realistic of just like being in shock, shock. like what yeah, the fuck yeah. just happened, like not doing her exam because she's just like kind of spiraling about it. I don't know. Yeah. That's fine. We can have a different opinion. No, no, I mean, yeah, uh, I don't think they did a bad job, but I do mm. think like, and I think, I think that maybe they did an even more impressive job given the short amount of screen time dedicated to it. True. But I think, I think from an audience perspective, it's harder to connect to it when you get such small snippets of it. That's what I mean. And not that it's not that it's not a serious issue, but it feels like a little like those little spouts of PSA that we were talking about. Where it's like I don't know. It's just something doesn't sit right with me. Maybe Even it's Viv the- as a character, I feel like we don't get much of Viv as a character. Like we don't we have like I don't know, at least this season we don't like see much of Viv at all yeah. except in mm-hmm. these things. Like it just I think they did a pretty good job and I think they represented it well. Um, I just think it was given mm. very little screen time to connect to. I don't think Bo's yeah. actor is good at all. I... Maybe that's what it is. I don't think he's good. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> yeah. He's... Yeah. Um, what else happened? Her, oh, her I feel and like Jackson then, about... like when Jackson comes over, yeah. like that's. Forever, like we talked about, my happy places. Viv Jackson, Jackson and Viv. is also a happy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like that he comes in and he's just like in his own like problem, and then immediately kind of switches and is like, "Oh, put that aside." Yeah, what's going on? Um, yeah, but you know, it's good that she's got someone um, because I feel like that can be a really isolating experience. Mm. So. Yeah. And someone that doesn't even um, like question it, like that's just fully there to support her as opposed yeah. to being like, Are you sure you're not, you know, overreacting? Yeah, overreacting. Are you sure like that doesn't yeah. sound like something someone would do? Are you exaggerating? You know, like mm-hmm. that kind of bullshit. Well it definitely helps that we have seen it. I mean Jackson it helps that Jackson is literally <laughs> Yeah, he's literally seen it. Happen, yeah, he's like yeah. been there a little too much the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, like a I, movie. Well, yeah, like I don't even know if he got to mention to Viv that he saw Bo going through her oh, 
yeah. end bag at the funeral. You know, like there's just so much crap. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. The other thing I think is uh, the uh, sister fight. <laughs> between gene and joe because we haven't mentioned it but the opening scene of the show this episode is uh like a flashback to when gene and joe were young also can i just say that the casting for the young versions of gene and joe was incredible like i actually looked them both up because i was like maybe this is their kids or something because they looked (laughs) so alike they're not they're just random actors but like well done casting director like you nailed it um Mm -hmm. but we see that uh their parents or their mum seems to be like a cool mum in the 60s swinging 60s having intellectual conversations and uh unfortunately though we see that uh joe was abused in some way shape or form by uh i think it's like uh not their dad but maybe like their mum's boyfriend boyfriend. yeah yeah and so that i think uh is you know heartbreaking to see um and then we see them have kind of a fight about that and kind of many other things it's not just about that um basically about joe being a bit of a chaotic mess i think (laughs) is kind of the the thrust of it and also that uh gene is not dealing with her issues is the other part of it right so that's joe's kind of point is that um gene is being weird i mean gene drew up a sister contract because she's going (laughs) to give the money to joe for her debt which honestly i'm like totally here for that (laughs) i'm not against it either especially with the type of person that joe is i think you need something set in stone like that to keep it yeah i'm not against it I think I think it was fi- like as soon as Joe pulled it out and was like it's so many pages. I was personally just getting flashbacks to the episode of Friends where Rachel has to read the letter. Well, where Ross has to read the letter from Rachel, and he's like, "It's sixteen pages long," <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, it's really important. I need you to read every page before we can do anything." <laughs> That's the vibe I was getting, but um, yeah, I like Jean can do whatever. I had like a couple of thoughts of I don't. I mean, I guess it's just the point. Like, obviously, it's not an enforceable contract, but just, like, she needs to agree to it. I'm curious what the specific things in it are, because I can, like... I feel like some of it might be reasonable and some of it might just be, like, Jean being a little bit Jean. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I feel like there's going to be stuff like, you are not allowed to, like, uh, date a man for three months. uh, Yeah, like, Stuff like controlling her life Stuff like, I think I know what's best for you. Yeah, like, I think she's... I think there'll be a little bit of that in it. But again, like, it's a lot of money. It's Jean's money. She can set the conditions that she wants. And it, like, drives me crazy how audacious Joe is in the fight of, like... Yeah, yeah. Of like, just give me the money. Like, why can't you just give me this money that I want? Even after I've like up. clearly yeah. demonstrated poor financial, like decision making. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like for me, I really understand the contract because, like, I think with family, it can get really messy. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's just like if you don't, even if you don't just like talk about like the expectations associated with whatever agreement it is, like. I feel like family kind of can assume that you're just going to let it slide. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is like, I'm lending you a lot of money or whatever the thing is that's happening. At least having a conversation about like the expectations, I think is really important because it can go bad otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. I think they did Um, 
quite an impressive job with the opening on that flashback and kind of giving us this backstory to Jean and Joe yeah. for something so late in mm. the season for it to have been done so well and sort of like build on what we already have experienced from the characters this season like yeah, it it, fit it wasn't really like well. yeah it wasn't like adding this whole new element it was kind of just giving us like a missing piece that we didn't have already and i thought that was very impressive yeah. um I thought as soon as I found out where the nickname Turtle comes from, the fact that they're like making... Wait. Joe calls Jean Turtle and we've heard this throughout the season and in the flashback mm-hmm. we learn that it's because she's making fun of Jean's nose for having a turtle nose. <laughs> and then I we must cut, have missed that bit. What? And then we... Yeah. <laughs> we, it's so fucked. And then we cut out of the flashback and it's Joe in present day calling her Turtle again. And I'm like, I cannot yeah, believe... Right. This so is rude. the nickname. That is so rude and cruel. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that feels very sibling vibes, though, to be honest. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, like... Oh, for sure. Yeah, now that I think it, like... Even, <laughs> You're even thinking about your nickname. checks out. Well, my boyfriend's brother has a nickname that's not that nice either, but everyone seems to be fine with it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um... Also, I do love that, like, in a fit of frustration, Jean has decided now is the time to knock down the treehouse because everybody thinks it's weird. I don't think it's that weird. I don't think... Why does um, everyone think it's weird? And I then, don't get it. I feel like just make it yeah, better. Having a treehouse is awesome. Just, like, I don't know, yeah, hire yeah. someone to build a proper one. Seriously? Sure. Was it because it wasn't um, finished or... I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe. Mm. Anyway. Um... I think that's mostly it. Uh, oh, no. Two more things and then we should move on. Um, yep. Uh, Maeve goes to uh, Amy and Isaac and says, I'm sorry, oh, yeah. hmm. I was being a tiny baby child. Um, mm-hmm. You two should explore whatever this is. Um, I, like, you know, I don't I don't control what you do. Um, and then they uh, they scatter Aaron's ashes over the trailer park, which oh, honestly, yeah. I also teared up at that bit. I think yeah. that like, you know, to someone who's not familiar with the show, it would be like, this is a weird place to be scattering <laughs> the ashes. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I liked what Maeve said about like, I have really happy memories of her here uh, mm-hmm. and it'll mean mm-hmm. that I have to come back and visit sort of thing. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, and also uh, just a little bit on Jackson. Jackson, like, gets home and nobody's home, so decides to go through his mum's drawers, which I think is just... <laughs> it's a dangerous game. Danger zone right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous game. I like um, how quickly also, he gets we... past the sex toy. <laughs> He's like, yeah. what? And yeah, I mean, I guess, if you're, I guess if your mum's gay, maybe that's just a thing you've already kind yeah. of thought about and dealt with. Um <laughs> Uh, it is but also from my favorite. Learn... It is from one of my favorite sex toy brands. So I like instantly. Ooh, give it a shout it. out. Is it a Lilu? It's a or... Le- it's a Lilo toy. It's the Soraya Wave. Ooh. Hashtag not nice sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> but we would love to be sponsored. <laughs> um, also, just a little thing in this, we finally learned non-coach mum's name, which is Roz. Oh. Which maybe we <laughs> could have we... found out earlier. Definitely um, missed that. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh my god, there it is. I don't <laughs> I like. Coach, mom. No, no implications to anyone else called Ruz. Like, I don't know if this is a positive or a good thing, but like, Ruz sounds like a coach mom name. Don't you? Yeah, oh for sure. Uh, 
But it's non-coach mom. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to... It's like so much happened in this episode. Um, yeah. I think overall, I have a positive feeling towards it. I think there were some like less than great things, but I think all of the little moments, the good little moments, plus Ooh. the kind of protest in the in the yeah. in the hallways thing i think you know kind of made it up for me yeah i think as far episode. as yeah i think but as far as they can be like tying stuff up noting that there's a whole other episode to go but like yeah. we've commented on quite a few scenes that like hit the emotional mark well you know like mm-hmm. we felt good about it and i think that's nice yeah well yes. we haven't really talked about it overly but like this is like the end of Otis and May, pretty much. Like this is mm. the end of that that arc mm, for the most part. Uh, yeah, which I thought, as we and, said before, um, like just if we look at the episode of that alone, I think it was worth enough just for that. It was pretty touching. Yeah. What did we think about the like? Uh, I'm gonna close my eyes thing in the morning. Yeah. I was like, yeah. sure, Otis, <laughs> if you have to, whatever you need to do. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine feeling comfortable lying there with my eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. as Someone she walks, walks around the room, yeah. gets getting ready. With, with yeah. both of us knowing that it, I'm awake, you know? Like maybe yeah. if he was able to yeah. pretend to be asleep still, but to be like, I'm going to close my eyes because I can't watch you. And then to just lie there with his eyes closed. That to me feels more <laughs> awkward. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> <gasps> but you know, they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and Maeve is gone back to America, which good for her. I'm good so glad her. she had that conversation yeah. with Jean. I think. Oh my god, I don't. I feel like conversation. that conversation with Jean would have touched so, so, so many people who also feel like for you know sure. they had to grow up a little too fast or raise themselves a little bit too much to whatever extent, and to just not really have anyone, maybe have never heard from their own parents or anyone that like you did a good yeah. job, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like anyone who felt remotely like that growing up would have just like, oh, you think I did a good job, Jean? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, also, good on her for like telling her that uh, Mr. Malloy is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, totally. no That's teacher right. has any right to tell you that nonsense. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Unless it's JK so, yeah. with Flash. God no! You're such <laughs> a whiplash not. stand. Oh my god! I am. It's deservedly so. Though. Come on. Um, I feel like really before we wrap up, as for what this podcast is, I think we have to give like a short kudos to the sex scene with Maven Otis for like actually showing us a bit of like build up foreplay, him grabbing a condom, and then them mm-hmm. having sex. Like mm. that was a yeah, good sex good scene. Point. Yeah, we well love done. a condom use. Yes. Good job. And then, like smiling I mean, and laughing, this like it wasn't good. it wasn't like hot and heavy serious. Like, it was mm. like they were yeah just doing it. it was was cool. Matt said earlier? Like yeah. finally, all of their stresses and everything building up in life is gone. So it's like they can finally be relaxed together and just be yeah. silly. Anyway, have fun. Yeah. Before we move on to the topic, uh, favorite and least favorite characters of the episode. Uh, um. I'm gonna go first. I give least favorite character to Mr. Lacani, the principal of oh, yeah. the Cavendish Academy. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And then favorite, I think I'm going to give it to Jem because she was oh, like, no, my I'm not going to fight. Don't be silly. Uh, yes. Stole my answer. 
No, I'm, I'm going to go with Adam. Sorry oh, to yeah. interrupt you. I'm no, going to no, go no. with Adam. That's Just like, because it's still part of that little, that little scene that Matt's talking about, but like the fact that he stood up to Michael later. Yeah. Um, hmm. And who doesn't love Adam? I'm definitely going to give least favorite to Bo because fuck Bo. Oh, <laughs> oh that's actually a, a very good point. I'm so, I feel bad now. Uh, but I feel like it also lands in the, like, I feel like previously we haven't really given it to like um, extraneous like villain characters that have just kind of come mm-hmm. in to be the villain. And you could kind of argue that Bo is just that. Like he's barely a character. He's just like a that's representative of abusive dickheads. Not, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but he has been in more than one episode, so yeah. I think for favorite, I mean, I think there's a few ways I could go on this, but I think just because of how much Jean's conversation mm. with Maeve touched me, Jean doesn't mm. always get things right. But I'm gonna give it to Jean for once this episode as my favorite because I thought, like, mm. she actually gave good advice for once and like welcome advice yeah. and in a good way. So thanks, Jean. That You're may be cool. Cool the mom, first dude. time that she's been picked for favorite character. I know. <laughs> so I thought I might do it while I've got the chance. Cause right it's... at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Cool. Um, so that's the episode. Uh, and we were tossing around a bunch of different ideas for what to do for the topic for this episode. But I just thought that given that the main kind of story point, I think, was the kind of the protest at the school... I wanted to do activism in some form, and given this is, you know, our show is about sex education, and uh, so is the show, I figured maybe, like, activism, but specifically around things to do with, like, sex, sexuality, sexual health, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of interesting. I found a bunch of different kind of things, um, and I think that I think that uh, activism can be successful uh, for both good and ill, uh, and I think I've got examples yeah. of that. Um Something that kept coming up, though, in all of the stuff that I was reading was the sexual revolution of the 1960s, which is not without its problems. And there is definitely a lot to be said about, um, like, how successful it was, especially in one of its kind of stated aims of helping women be more sexually free. Um, But it was definitely a big kind of important time period in kind of, quote unquote, Western culture. Um, And it kind of started a lot of conversations, even if it didn't necessarily like solve a bunch of problems. Um, But it also pushed back on kind of the really kind of conservative culture of the 1940s and 50s that was very kind of buttoned down and repressive, I would say. Um, And uh, so, yeah, the sexual revolution, the stuff I was reading was talking about that it, it really came about through sustained activism, mostly from feminists. Uh, and queer activists as well like this this kind of was when or maybe the beginning of the second wave of feminism and that um you know a lot of the kind of the changes that happened were through discussions around the role of women and their place in society and the way that they were treated differently from men um Mm -hmm. and also to a lesser extent queer people and how they were kind of demonized in this period of time Uh, but also our old friend uh kinsey was also part of this by kind of documenting the reality of how people's sex lives looked as distinct from like the societal norm of what they should look like uh it, it was kind of a bit of a moment of like oh so we all kind of do maybe not what 
we're quote unquote supposed to do. Uh, maybe all of these things that we think of perversions are actually a little more normal than we would all like to admit. And even just having that conversation around what is kind of quote unquote normal or what is something that people do on a regular basis um, mm. kind of started that conversation. Um, in terms of activism, the second wave of feminism uh one of the big things was around sexual assault in terms of the kind of how widespread it was. Second wave feminism came about through uh, like uh, discussion groups amongst women where women were starting to talk about sexual assault and realize that it was happening a lot more frequently than kind of the, the societal kind of belief was that it was kind of a relatively rare occurrence and it was a bad thing, but it didn't happen all that often. But then women started talking to each other about it and being like, holy shit, no, it's happening to almost all of us because I that's feel like, the reality of it. I feel like that's happened a few times since then where yeah. we've had that conversation and then people have continued to be surprised that, oh, it's, it's still more than I think it is. Oh, it's it's still more than I think it yeah. is. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's like, I think it's one of those things where we can socially feel like oh well we talked about it so like we know about it now and we can pat ourselves on the back for like yeah. we've solved it like well, now that we've <laughs> discussed it we know that it's a thing and we've put out a few like ad campaigns and that that should you know we'll wipe our hands of it and then it's like it takes yeah. another kind of conversation like the me too movement was kind yeah. of a continuation mm -hmm. of that same conversation that was had in the 60s uh, which is really kind of reflective about how slowly we're kind of addressing this issue but i think well, the yeah, fact was, that that so i was gonna say it's just really interesting to like look at this as like the side of like how social media may have impacted these like activism movements negatively or positively mm. i don't know if you've got any research on that like in your, your bits here, i didn't i didn't find anything on that specifically but it's true right like the me too hashtag was a form of activism which is yeah. what we're mm -hmm. theoretically talking about um, and just looks different as time goes on and our association with technology changes. I think there is something to be said for the Me Too stuff in that it is easier to kind of demonstrate the scale of the issue when it's on social media. Whereas when you have these kind of isolated discussion groups back in the 60s and then people talk about what happened at the discussion group, there's a lot of like filtering going on and a lot of like a lot of them probably just not being talked about externally. Whereas this is like it's everywhere and we can see the um the extent of the issue yeah um another kind of big one in sexual health is obviously abortion which is kind of in the the news at the moment because of yep. america's uh, uh rescinding of the roe versus wade decision which has triggered a whole bunch of conservative nonsense over there um and when i was doing my reading about this it was quite interesting because Prior to the like 18th century, abortion was like reasonably available to women through like women's networks and like midwives, especially these people who were like experts in birth. Um, they could provide all sorts of kind of health services, and some of those included abortion. Um, and there wasn't also like this societal kind of condemnation it seems as as big i mean i'm sure if you know you'd asked a priest in the 1600s about abortion they would have been like no we don't want you to do that <laughs> yeah. but i think it was more that it was just not really discussed publicly it was just a thing that happened um and everybody just got on with their lives but then 
uh, in the 18th and 19th centuries, there's this increasing like conservative attempt to control women's bodies. And also um, like in the medical field, especially men started to try and control medicine and health more broadly. Like they, the, the men who were doctors wanted to be the only arbiters of like health and midwives were almost completely like gotten rid of for a period of time there. There was like scare campaigns and all this sort of stuff. So, like, there's obviously a tumultuous history with abortion, but um, again, during the 60s in the sexual revolution, the kind of other successes led to more pressure on allowing abortion again. Um, and in Australia, uh, it's now legal in all states and territories with different kind of, like, rules and restrictions. Um, and South Australia was the first state to decriminalise it, uh, and that was... According to this one thing I read based on kind of the conversation happening in the UK at the time, which was part of the same kind of revolutions. Um, so like when really was this? Cool about like when did South The Australia- 60s. Yeah. I think it was like 67. I'm not mm. 100% sure on that date. I didn't write it down. Mm. Um, but what was really kind of interesting and kind of cool to see in the Australian story about abortion was that... Um, I think once South Australia decriminalised it, doctors in other states started to do abortions in kind of defiance of the law like they were like no this is like a health matter like and we believe that this should be a thing that we're allowed to do and some doctors were actually arrested for doing so but then what's also cool is that the judges presiding over those cases multiple times chose not to uh like they chose to acquit them they they were basically like you're fine, we're going to let you go. We're not going to apply the law in this case, which is kind of interesting to see some activism from, like, the Mm. judiciary, which, I don't know, I tend to now think of the judiciary as quite conservative. And Mm. it kind of surprises me that you would have a judge that would be willing to kind of put their neck out. And then that sets precedent. And then there was a whole bunch of demonstrations and petitions and all this sort of stuff that was used to pressure the governments. And you slowly, over time, had the decriminalization come through. I don't think we're at a perfect system yet. There's still kind of weird restrictions in places like Queensland and WA who are more conservative governments. Um, But, you know, it's definitely, we're definitely better off than the US at the moment. The US is just a shit show basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am conscious of making this go on for too long. I think some other ones that I I found stuff about was like sex work. Um, There's actually a really cool history of sex work in Australia. I'll put a link to an article in the conversation about how um, a bunch of sex workers got together and pressured the New South Wales government to decriminalize sex work in the 90s. Uh, And it was really kind of dependent on their activism. That is how it happened. Uh, Like they had a 20 year celebration in uh, in 2015 about the decriminalization and a whole bunch of sex workers were invited to parliament house for the celebration, which I think shows a true cultural shift. Right. Um, then you've got queer liberation, like Stonewall is famously, it was a riot and a protest. The first gay pride parade was a, was a riot. Uh, and Mm. I'm also going to link to a really good episode of the podcast you're wrong about around Stonewall. Um, and in in an Australian context, I think there was a lot of activism around the marriage equality, vote uh in 2017 uh which i mean there was a lot of activism on both sides of that debate which i think is an important thing to kind of remember in this 
uh, kind of context is that activism can be done by also people who are not progressive and is Definitely. can be successful. Um, the last kind of area I looked at was like sex, sex education activism. And uh, there were two key things in Australia. Um, there was a petition started by a woman named Chanel Contos um, in 2022 that was basically like, you need to be teaching consent in schools. That was the kind of point of the 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 petition. There was 44,000 signatures and 66,000 stories of sexual assault that were submitted to it. It went to the government. And in I, I was actually kind of amazed to hear this. In February 2022, there was a unanimous agreement between all uh, heads of education in each state of Australia mandating consent education in every school every year from foundation to year 10 beginning in 2023, which is a huge win. It's not perfect and it's still a bit unclear exactly how that's going to be implemented and that's a huge part of these sorts of things is the actual implementation of it. But I think that shows that protest and activism can have success. Uh, but I guess there's a counterpoint to that. I, I don't know if either of you remember the safe schools debate. I was thinking uh, back of this, in 2016. Yeah. yeah. So this in Australia was uh, a program that was a PD program for teachers about creating a safe and inclusive environment for queer students specifically. Um, it was really like it was like minimum stuff, yeah. right? Like it was just about not being a dickhead basically. Uh, but the conservatives in Australia really seized on it and waged a very effective activism campaign about getting rid of it. They, you know, called for a government inquiry and that inquiry found some things that were like less than ideal. And then the government chose not to renew its funding in 2017 and it just kind of disappeared. So it's like, I think important to acknowledge that Again, activism can go both ways and that there's a need to, if you're a progressive, to continue to engage with activism because the conservatives will also do that. And they're often more motivated because <laughs> they really want to control stuff. And they often um, have an easier battle. I feel like sometimes their points yeah, are easier to win because it's about maintaining sure. the status quo most of the time. Or this, like, illusory status quo that they're pretending existed. Well, like, yeah. We'll just go back to traditional values. And it's like, what does that look well, like? Well, yeah, it's exactly? very, like, vague. And so I feel like it's very yeah. easy to win people over. I mean, it, the same applies to all, like, the, the anti-abortion stuff in the States. Like, I feel like so many of the people mm -hmm. that those campaigns appeal to, they don't actually know what they're agreeing to. Like, they just, it yep. just sounds fine. Like, sure, killing babies? I don't like that. Done. Um, when yeah, that's not really exactly. the whole story. <laughs> But yeah, that's a very quick and a lot of talking about sex activism, whatever that may be. All right, trivia, first question. Ruby gets the revenge on O and now Otis as well. As she changes camps, uniting powers with Connor, which we didn't really talk about. <laughs> Although on the surface, Connor doesn't seem to be too much of a threat. With Ruby's campaigning and social media skills combined with Connor's dad's therapist background, in his gaming channel experience, the pair could be a more formidable foe than we first see. If you didn't know, gaming channels are quite popular and many channels have north of 1 million subscribers, giving Connor a potential numbers advantage over Owen Otis. On YouTube, just how many gaming channels have over 1 million subscribers? Oh my multiple god. Choice. Multiple, doing... multiple choice. Okay, good. Okay, cool. A, over 500 channels. B, over 1,000 channels. 
C over 5,000, D over 10,000. I think I have my answer. Okay. Okay. Matt, you can go first. Um, I said over 5,000. Oh. I said, like, I think I went B, over 1,000. So, like, between 1,000 and 5,000. It's between 1,000 and 5,000. B. Yeah. A lot of subscribers. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. All right, next question. Bringing our students and friends closer than ever before through protest and peace, this week's MVP for the episode is the dodgy elevator. <laughs> Metaphorically uniting the, the, college, the college's students by also physically bringing Owen Otis closer by literally trapping them. Elevator <laughs> breakdowns seem to be more common than you think. How many breakdowns on average does the common well-maintained commercial slash residential elevator experience per year. Interesting. Is this also multiple choice? Nah, this will be closest. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a lot. I'm going to say five. Oh, I feel like it's more. I feel like it's more. Um, in a year, I'm yeah, going to say 30. 30. One elevator breaks down 30 times a year. I don't know. I feel wow. like in, in the office building, it happens all the time. Maybe I just yeah, have bad luck. The answer is two. Two times a year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can have That's... terrible luck with lifts yeah. because Ugh. they're just always down. Next question. Students unite as the protest begins as the students sit in the main hall in a clearly 70s hippie movement inspired scene. We pan around and see all mm. our students students sitting in the background the soundtrack continues these theming this theming as it discusses revolution and the people pushing for change the song is written by jefferson airplane and is titled what a cadets b volunteers c entrepreneurs d fighters maybe what's your answer yeah. i'm i'm going with cadets Not. i'm going with fighter Fighters. Well, it's volunteers. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What was your other thought process? Wait, I was talking between cadets and fighters. (laughs) Same. Yeah, yeah. I had the same. All right. Next question. Maeve and Jean finally get a proper introduction and a chance to get to know one another in a beautiful yet awkward interaction. However, I couldn't help but scan scan Jean's quirky kitchen and I noticed (laughs) a somewhat common household appliance. A mortar and pestle. Hmm. What is the country of origin of a mortar and pestle? Surely that's like a, it was invented independently in multiple places things. It must be attributed to up, someone. I looked it up and it was yeah. a common answer. I feel like Matt's going to have a better okay. guess at this than me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard because like you've got like, Things that are evocative of a mortar and pestle in like uh, mm. pre-Columbian <laughs> Mexico. I don't and... know if you should be giving me hints, man. Maybe why are you like stimulating oh, using yeah. a mortar and pestle? <laughs> yeah, like... I'm, trying to, I'm trying to picture it. Hmm, which country <laughs> am I in? <laughs> All right, I have a guess. I have no idea if it's right, though. I can't think of anything. I'll just write this down. Okay. <laughs> All right, Matt, you can go first. I said Thailand. Hmm. 
I just said Mexico because Matt said it out loud and I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> Neither of you are correct. It's Egypt. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-oh. Yeah, I was trying I to think of a place that had like access to stone and possibly like reeds and needed to grind a lot of spices as part of their cuisine. And that kind of fits See, Egypt. This is just like it's such a hard one because like what's a mortar and pestle? Because you've got the Mexican like yeah. corn grinding thing, which is I guess a different form factor. But then like mortar and pestle is used to make like Thai curry paste, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a thing that's like evocative of a mortar and pestle that's used to make mochi in Japan. I know that like uh, in the original Brothers Grimm versions of the fairy tales, the witches often flew around in a mortar and pestle. So I know it has like a history in Europe, like. I feel like it, I guess maybe it was in maybe Egypt. Maybe it all came it from like, Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, like 6,000 years ago, and it just filtered out from there. I think so. Yeah. There you go. Because, yeah, did you ever. I remember growing no. up, I had a mortar and pestle that had more. Um, it wasn't like a smooth stone surface, it had like a. Um, kind of like straw, reedy kind of insert. Which was good for grinding against because the texture was such a pain in the ass to clean. Like, it's so bad. Hmm. Well, yeah, I've always been a bit leery of mortar and pestles because I'm like, surely I'm getting little bits of stone in here at the same time. Like, that's just the way that material science works. If you're rubbing two things of the same hardness mm-hmm. against each other, you're going to create scratches, which will produce like... Yeah, I mean, what about like the grains of stone and the animals that we're eating or like plus by eating a bunch of plastic anyway like i'm not too fussed about the stone <laughs> sure you can cut this out but this next question is a fucking shit one so i'm sorry <laughs> uh, well we'll cool. see we'll see. we'll see okay maven only finally do the deed in a bittersweet moment the two finally get to share their love for one another in what seems to be their final night together as their relationship gets cut short speaking of cuts as the two do continue to make love, the camera pans away. <laughs> and the scene abruptly jumps, jump cuts to morning. The jump cut was actually created by accident as a boss once... T- <laughs> this is going to be the best series of segues ever. Keep going, please. I love it. The jump cut was, was actually created by accident as a boss... Watch Jam artist George Melly's film as he was once filming a street. Uh, what year was the jump cut created? Oh, George Melly, eh? That's mm. so interesting. George Melly. Oh. Well, see, I don't know who that person is, so Matt's already got me. <laughs> it's got a better yeah, ballpark. But so I mean, I it... feel like I have an era. I don't have a year. <laughs> well, you said it was on a bus, right? So buses have to be... I, I assume actually buses were probably invented before film. I don't know, but... Okay. <laughs> okay, I've got a random year down. <laughs> Alright, let's hear yours first, Mabel. I've gone with 1952. Oh, I went with 1920. Oh. Uh, 1896. Oh, okay. Oh, we're both yeah. off. So, did uh, not get the century. <laughs> Matt gets the point and he wins trivia poodle one. So, but... Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. All right. Well, that's that episode. Thank you for listening. Um, Listen to the finale of finales. Uh, I mean, watch the finale of finales before (laughs) next episode. 
Um, and uh, we will see you then. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. See ya. Bye. 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 Oh.